Clarence, help me, Clarence. Give me back. Give me back. I don't care what happens to me. Give me back to my wife and kids. Please, Clarence. I want to live again. I want to live again. <laughs> Please, God, let me live again. <laughs> George, George, you all right? Get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Hey, what's the matter with you? George, your mouth's bleeding. Bert? You know me, Bert? My mouth. My mouth's bleeding. Wait, Zuzu's pedals. Well, what do you know about that? It's good to see you, Bert. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, IMAX. Merry Christmas, Aquarium. Merry Christmas, you old building and loan. Mary, 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 Mary. Daddy, Daddy. Mary, Mary, are you real? You're never gonna believe what's happened to me. George, George, you're never gonna believe Just this. Everyone's quiet, here. Everybody. Come with me. Quiet, quiet. Now get this. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. I got him here from the airport just as quick as I could. The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. says every time the bell rings, an angel gets its wing. That's right. That's right. Way to go, Clarence. Some amazing, amazing talent that we have here at Five Stones Church. You would never know that wasn't the actual movie, would you? It's just incredible what they have. Hey, if you're excited to be in God's house, put your hands together. Make some noise this morning. So good to be with you, and I want to welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens and phones and tablets, part of our online community. We're so glad that you are along for the ride. Hey, we're getting excited because Christmas is right around the bend, and I hope that you're doing this. You're taking these invites inside of your worship guide. Get them into the hands of family members, friends, loved ones. Get them here to enjoy just a really special service next Sunday at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. We're going to have just our beautiful candlelight service. It's, it's a whole lot of fun. It's warm, and, and it's really just a special time, so I hope you'll do that. But I'm really excited because last Sunday was our uh, legacy offering, and so many of you um, just went to, to this place that was just so generous. And I want to thank you for your generosity. Um, we have been having so much fun this last week just dropping off um, just, just blessings to people. And uh, you're going to hear more about that. Our creative team is putting together a video that we want to share with you. And, and you're going to see it very soon. But we're, we're getting pumped up about the Christmas time. I wanted to let you know about one thing. Um, before we move on with our service, it's really important. It's something we've never done before. Uh, the Sunday after 
uh, Christmas Eve is, is New Year's Eve, actually. And it falls on, on a Sunday this year. And what we're going to do is we are not going to have service in the building that day. That's something we have, have never done. We're actually going to allow everybody what, what we're calling a Sabbath Sunday. Because our dream team, amazing folks that, that put this church together and they put on church every single Sunday and then after that they tear it all back down and put it all back up and we just feel like they've, they've spent a ton this, uh, of time this season, especially right at Christmas and on Christmas Eve they'll be working as well to put on an amazing service for you and so we want to be able to, to just give them a little bit of a, a break. We feel like that's important to have that rhythm uh, of life. So Sabbath Sunday, we, were not, we are not uh, on New Year's Eve, not going to be meeting uh, in in the building. If you come up here, you're just going to do church in the parking lot. I mean, that'd be all right, but, but we are going to have church online. And so our worship team has, has already worked on putting together worship for you that day. I'm going to be preaching a message that day we want you to hear. So you can join in online on our live stream, either on our YouTube page, our Facebook page, or just go directly to fivestonesfamily.com and you'll be able to jump in on that. But next Sunday is Christmas and it's getting closer and closer. And let me just ask you this question. Are you in this Christmas spirit yet? Have you, have you found it? It's challenging. I know it can be difficult. Uh, I know, like, the kids are going to be coming home this week from school, and that's going to be added additional pressure, right, because they're going to be wanting to open up Christmas presents, and they're going to be running all around the house. I saw this, this tip online that, that you can feel free to use. If your kids are starting to drive you a little crazy right here at the Christmas season, what the tip said to do is just get some of those empty boxes that came in from Amazon, you know, as you're ordering Christmas presents. Get those empty boxes wrapped them up to look like a Christmas present, put them underneath the tree. And then if the kids start really acting nuts and like misbehaving, just pick up one of them every now and again and chunk it in the fire. Just light it right there on the fire. We, we have done this at our house and it has well, only about six or seven times the, and, and like it's really lowered the Christmas tension. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't know if that's the, the, the best uh, approach that you can do this season, but I know it can be stressful. It can be a lot of uh, chaos. It can be difficult and challenging to, to find um, the, the Christmas Christmas spirit, because it can be so busy. I've talked to so many people, and they say the same thing over and over. I'm just so busy right now. Raise your hand if you feel busier than you ever have before. Yeah. Or, or how about this? In the next five or six days, it feels like you're going to be even more busy, right? Yeah, because you got the Christmas parties to go to. You got to get all the last-minute presents. The, you got the finals if you go to school. You got shopping to do. You got to wrap the gifts. You got to see all the, the family members by traveling and moving all around. I, that's why it can be really challenging to feel the Christmas spirit. Like when you're a kid, it feels so magical. Like, you know, the kids feel like, like, like it's just a, a beautiful time of year, can't wait for it. But the older you get, the more challenging that can be to find that Christmas spirit. I was talking to a single mom recently, and she said, I, I feel like, like the Christmas season has just kind of lost all of its magic, and, and, and I can't really find the Christmas spirit. Well, you know what Buddy says, right? If you will, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, right? So I just thought we'd try that out. Let's see if that works. You want to try it out? Let's, let's see if that would work. Let's, let's try it with me. Say, joy to the world. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Let, let, let's try it. How about this one? Deck the halls with. You're pretty good. I don't think you could join the kids' choir just yet, but, but you're getting there, right? 
And like the truth is, did it work? Do you feel at all more Christmas spirit? No, huh? Like, buddy, it's not working, buddy. It's just really not. Like, like this time of year, I feel like it's this season in this time of year. It can be so busy and so challenging. I was driving into work the other day, and, and, and I, as I was going, I was, I was actually going pretty quick. I, I was late for a meeting, and the, the Andy Williams song came on. It's the most wonderful time. And as he was singing it, I was late, and I was already frantic because I was thinking about three or four things that I had to do. And I was thinking, no, Andy. It's not the most wonderful time of the year. It's the busiest time of the year. Start singing about that, you know, because it is wonderful. We love this season, but it's just something about this time of year that gets so busy. Like there's so much to do. And I really think a more accurate Christmas song came out just a few years ago with the, the live Grinch animation that they, they did, the live version of that, where Faith Hill said, where are you, Christmas? <laughs> like, where have you gone to? Where, why have you gone away? You know, that's what I feel like. It's, it's more like that. More of us are singing that. It's like, why, why is it that I can't find any joy? I think a lot of us feel that way. Where did Christmas go? And, and, and maybe you've already felt like that, like, like something's missing, like we're so busy. I'd love to settle down. I've talked to so many people that say, man, I would love to settle down and just enjoy the Christmas season right now, but I just got so much going on. There's just so many things to get done. And, and, and I heard this quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle one time, and I think it's, it's really kind of fitting. He said, what if the greatest enemy to your life, the life that you want, is the life that you're currently living right now? What if, if the greatest enemy to experiencing that, the joy of this season, the, the peace, the calm of this season, the joy of Christmas, is, is unfortunately you're not experiencing that because the greatest enemy is the life that you're currently living, the current habits that you have put in place. Because we're a busy, busy people. And I, I can't tell you how, how many times I've heard people say to me, like, I, I would just love to, things for just to slow down, but it's just so busy right now. I think every one of us have got one of these in our pocket, in your purse, right? How many of us have, have a cell phone, a smartphone in your pocket? Yeah, all of us have got one of these. These are actually pretty amazing little deals, you know? Like, like the, the smartphone, I don't know if you know this, but smartphones are really in, incredible. The, the iPhone, I don't know if you, you, you roll on the iPhone or the Android side of things, yeah? But the iPhone alone has 100,000 more, more times the processing power than the Apollo 11. Like, we sent people to the moon with, with 100,000 times less the, the power that we have in our phone. I mean, these are incredible things. They're, they're, there's actually, the cell phones have one million times more memory, seven million times more storage than the Apollo 11. Like, you could do anything with that thing. Like, you, you could pick this up and you could, you could FaceTime somebody on the other side of the planet. You, you can talk to anybody. You could text people. It's a powerful little thing. You could Instagram your food if you're into that kind of thing. Like, there's so much that you can do on this little device. But you know what? If, if, if you have one of these devices, you probably take it a little bit for granted. We get a little nervous about it. We'll put a, 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 a little case on it so it doesn't fall, right? We, we start to handle them. Sometimes we handle them like kids. Anybody do that? It's like, oh, my gosh, don't do it. Some of you, statistically speaking, did most of your shopping on this from the comfort of your home. Like you did all your Christmas shopping right there on your phone. And, and maybe, maybe you get on that cell phone and, and statistically speaking, some of you might be taking notes on it right now and a, a good quarter of you might have checked out and are playing Candy Crush on it right now. But, but, but like it's a powerful thing. You could do a lot on this cell phone. All of us have this, this smartphone, this incredibly powerful thing in our pocket, but you really want to see somebody freak out? 
Tell them they only have 1% battery left on it. Man, people start freaking out. It's like, I gotta find my charger. I gotta charge this phone up. Like we can't, God forbid we do without it for five minutes, right? Let alone a whole day because we know how powerful it is. But the truth of the matter is, is, is with that, when that phone goes down to zero, like it's useless, right? It, I mean, it's just a really expensive paperweight. That's why when you get on 1%, you get frantic, you get nervous, have you ever noticed too, by the way, like that 1%, it's either one or the other. Either that 1% can last like an hour and a half or it's like gone in 60 seconds. It's, it's dead. Your phone is dead as like the bad guy in Die Hard. You know what I'm talking about? Wait, hey, let's settle that right now too. Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie or not? Not Christmas movie? Yes, not? Okay, it's official. It's, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But we're not going to be doing one of the bumpers for Die Hard. Just letting you know that ahead of time. Like, that's not going to happen. But, but my point is, is like when we have these cell phones, we recognize that as powerful it is, as it is, as amazing as this device is, it's awesome and it's incredible. But if it's allowed to drain down to zero, it's useless. It really won't do anything. And the truth of the matter is, we're just like that phone. Like, if we allow ourselves to get down to zero... And there's so many things in this season that can drain us and pull us down. If we allow ourselves to get to zero, then, then we're really useless. We're useless for our family. We're useless for our church. We're useless at work. And so we got to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be pulled down. Because there's all kinds of stuff that can drain us in this season, like unmet expectations. Maybe it's family coming over. Maybe it's all of the hectic stuff that you got to get done right now. I, I think about how the, the Christmas season is like the perfect storm. You know, the lines get longer, the kids get whinier, your patience grows thinner, and your waistline gets fatter, right? You know what I mean? It's like, and every single one of those things have a tendency of draining you and pulling you down. And if you're not careful, every one of those in this season will pull you down to empty. And if you find yourself drained and low and depleted, and you're just, things are just not working for you, then you're not going to be much good to anybody this season. I think no one understood this concept of being drained more than Jesus. Jesus was so productive. Like if you think about it, think about all of the things that Jesus got done. In three years ministry, he did what more than most people do an entire lifetime. Like in three years' time, he did so much. He was out there building the kingdom. He's preaching and teaching while, while the religious leaders around him absolutely despised him and hate him. He, he was healing people. He was pouring into people, all the while building into the disciples, those who would take the church beyond him. I mean, like he did so much. He was so productive. He got so much done. In fact, he did, according to, to Scripture, he fulfilled 351 of the Old Testament prophecies. He's a productive guy. He got a whole lot done. And despite the fact that he got all of this done and that he was very busy, you know what one thing that he never was? Rushed. He was never rushed. Like you never find a part in Scripture where you look and, and, and Jesus is going to Peter going, man, I just hope we can get it all done. Like I, I don't know if, I, Peter, I don't know if we can get it all accomplished. There's a lot to do. You never see Jesus canceling something. Like he never canceled the feeding of the 5,000 because Thomas was running late. Right? Like he just didn't do that. He, he was an incredibly productive guy, did an incredible amount of people, but he was never rushed. Super busy, but never rushed. He was never panicked and rushed and, and hurrying. In fact, Mark chapter 2 says it this way. It says, as Jesus walked along, now notice it says he walked, right? He wasn't running. He wasn't hurrying out the door. He was, he was walking along. As, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. See, see, Jesus lived a totally unrushed life. And I believe if we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, he said, follow me. If we're supposed to follow Jesus, then we ought to live a lifestyle that's unrushed too. 
And there's a lot we want to get done, especially right here in this season. As a church, as a family, as people, like we want to get this, all this stuff done. And I think God wants you to be productive. I think he wants you to do and accomplish a lot. But I don't think he wants you to live a rushed life. In fact, I'm so passionate about that. I, I believe that Jesus gave us a formula on how to live an unrushed life. In the book of Matthew, Matthew 11, he, he's going to say it this way. Now, I want to read it from the, the message paraphrase. The message is a paraphrase. It's not a direct translation, but it, it, it puts it in terms that our modern ear can kind of relate to. And this is what it says. See if you can relate to this. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Boy, doesn't that sound good? I want to live that way. I want to live freely and lightly. I want to live a life that is unrushed. And I think right there inside that passage of Scripture, Jesus has actually given us the keys on how to get a whole lot done and live an unrushed life. And here's the first thing that he says to do. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. Number one, he says, come to Jesus. I think that's the best advice I could give anyone at any time, certainly at Christmas time. Come to Jesus. That's what he says. It's the first thing that he says in that verse. He said, everybody should come to me. And here's specifically who should come. He said, those who are tired, who are worn out, who are burned out on religion. Does that fit anybody? Anybody, raise your hand if you feel like that today, like you feel tired, anybody worn out? See, that's surprising to me that so many of you are not raising your hand because I read your prayer cards. I know you're tired. I'm raising mine. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Hey, it's, it's this end of the year season. Like there's, there's so many things to get done and you're tired and you're, you're worn out. In fact, that's who Jesus wants to help today. I believe he wants to help those that are tired and are worn out and are maybe burned out on religion. In fact, if you read about Jesus all in the Gospels, he almost looks exclusively for people like that. This is the kind of people he wants to help. Those who are at the end of their rope. They're just tired. I'm just worn out. I'm fed up with the religious leaders. And I love how the message translation says this. The message version says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. You know what that tells me? It tells me that apart from Jesus, you won't have real life. You won't have true life. You'll feel frazzled. You'll feel worn out. But with Jesus, if you'll stay connected to him, if you'll get away with him, if you'll come and get off to a solitary place, just one-on-one with him, he said, you'll have real life. You know, the, the first of the year in January, we're going to have a 21-day period of prayer and fasting. First Sunday of January, we're going to gather together at the, at the Five Stones office, and we're going to put some stuff down. I, I challenge you to go online to fivestonesfamily.com slash prayer, give you a bunch of free resources on it, and just get prepared. Because some, there's, there's some things that we're too connected to and a God that we're not connected enough to. And God says, if you'll just come away with me, I'm talking one-on-one. It's so important that you find some time of your day. I like to do it right in the, the beginning of my day where I just spend some time one-on-one with God and I, can, I reconnect with him and I fill up. See, the truth is Jesus says, if you want real rest, you don't need another TikTok. You don't need another video. You don't need another podcast. You don't need another Netflix moment. You don't even need another religious service. You don't need a vacation. He says, if you want real rest, you just got to get with me, one-on-one with me, you and Jesus. 
Because it's so important. See, I think it's really important that we're meeting here today. I, I think it's important that we gather together, that we worship together, that we dive in and we learn. You know why it's so important? I, I want you to help me with an illustration today. Because this is, this is going to teach you how important it is that we gather together because it's something powerful happens when we do. Now, help me with this illustration. Like every time, Buddy said it's good to sing. Every time I jump, I want you to sing with me. Say, ba, ba, ba. Hey, you did pretty good. Give yourself a hand. Did you notice this? I never once told you we were going to go up in a key. I, I showed you we were going to go down, but I never went up, and you guys did ba ba ba. Like, like we, never, we never went over this. We never rehearsed it. Right, But what, what happened was you understood something. You, you took a process. You learned. You, you figured out that there was something that you deciphered that we were doing, and you took what was on the outside, inside, adapted it to your life, and then what was inside became outside. And see, that's why it's so important that you're really careful about who you're learning your processes from. Because if you're learning from the outside and you're taking that inside, what you take inside ultimately comes of what comes out of you. And see, Jesus wants you to do this because he's the king of calm. He's the king of peace. He's the prince of peace. In, in this season, if you need more peace, if you need more joy, then what you need is you need more Jesus. You've got to get alone with him where you take him inside of you and you allow what he has on the outside to come inside, process that, and then what's inside of you now will come outside and you'll figure out his rhythm, his his peace, his joy, his comfort, everything that he, about him, you want to take that in so you can get it out. In fact, here's the second thing that Jesus said in this formula of finding true peace and true joy in this season is number two, you need to follow his rhythm. That's what he says. He says, I want you to follow me so that my rhythm will take hold. See, I want my rhythm. I'd like, Jesus is saying, my rhythm is going to get you. Rhythm is going to get you. My rhythm is going to get you tonight. Some of you guys didn't even know that joke. It's all right. Just Google it at home. It'll start to make more sense. Jesus wants his rhythm to get to you. He says, I've got a rhythm of doing these things. I've got a way of doing this. And I want you to get it inside of you. There's a rhythm to rest. And I want you to figure out what that is because, because I know you're tired. I know what this life can do. It can pull you and drain you, and it can take it out of you. And if you're not careful, you can feel that. I talk to people all the time, and they say, I'm just tired. I'm just so tired. And you know what? I, I, you talk to people, and you, you know when they're really exhausted, they'll say to you something like this, man, I'm, just, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I just feel like quitting. And what happens is so many times, like we have this tendency of working ourselves, running ourselves ragged, and then when we don't have a system, a, a, a rhythm of rest, we get exhausted, we get the end of our rope, and we all throw our hands up and we say, I just feel like quitting. I can't tell you how many people have told me that. Maybe it's in their marriage, or maybe it's at their work, or in, even in ministry, they'll say, I'm, I'm just so tired, I just got, I've got to quit. And you know what that screams to me? It screams, I have not figured out a rhythm of rest. Because God's got a rhythm, and he wants, you to show you, he wants to show you this. In fact, Jesus always led by example. That's what I love about the way he taught. He never said, I want you to believe this because I believe it, or believe it just because I said it. He said, I want you to see what I'm doing. Watch how I work. I love those, the, the words that he said in that passage of Scripture. He said, walk with me, work with me. In other words, he's not asking you to do something that he didn't already do himself. He said, watch the way I work, and then incorporate it in your life. Apply it to you and see if it works for you as well, because this is how he works. He says, if, look at how Jesus, he's a master of this. Everywhere you look, Jesus understands 
sense that there's a rhythm to rest, that there's work and that there's rest. And there's work, and work should come before the rest and after the rest. Work, rest, work, rest. That's the rhythm God wants. In fact, everywhere you see it in Scripture, he's doing this. There's this, posi- there's this story that happens in Mark chapter 4, and Jesus is with the disciples, and they're out on the water. And, and the disciples are up on the boat. They're on the top of the boat. Jesus is under the, the deck. He's on a cushion, and he's resting. And out of nowhere, kind of like just really out of nowhere, this storm pops up. And I kind of picture it like the storms that sometimes hit in Tennessee. You know, it's like 40 degrees one day and then 80 the next. And like in the middle of there, you got the opportunity for tornadoes and stuff. It's kind of like the storms that hit just last week, if you remember that. And just just in, in West Tennessee, there, there were some storms that picked up. Which, by the way, I wanted to celebrate with you because of your generosity. The storms, the tornadoes that hit there, we have a friend church called Oasis Church in Hendersonville. And the storms hit them and they weren't even able to do church in their building that day. They're portable like us. And, and the storm knocked out all the power and they weren't so you know what they did they met in a parking lot and they just put together um, bags for the first responders just to bless them in that community and because of your generosity we were actually able to send them some resources to where they could build some of that too so thank you so much yeah thank you for that generosity that's awesome that you did that Thank you for that. And, and so, so this storm picks up, and it kicks up just like that, like, like, like a storm that, that happened just last week. And, and they didn't, the disciples didn't know what to do. Like, they start getting frantic. They're trying to figure out, what, what, what should I do right here? And, and so after a point, they, they, they're terrified. They run underneath, and, and they, they find Jesus, and Jesus is taking a nap. And I mean, like, he's taking a good one. You know what I'm talking about? It's like one of those Sunday afternoon naps. Come on, somebody. Like, we call it a Sunday coma around my house. Like, if you show up after church at a point, you can knock all you want. We're not coming up. Like, we're out. You know, like, it's one of the, Jesus is taking one of those kind of naps where you wake up and you go, like, what year is it again? You know, like, like this is the, and so they're freaking out and they wake up Jesus. They're like, Jesus, get up. You got to do something. And Jesus gets up, and, and I just kind of picture him like this. Like, he gets up on the top of the boat and he goes, peace, be still. And the storm goes away, and then he's like, you know, I'm going to go conk back out. You guys good? You good? You're not good? Right? Because Jesus was like that. You know why I know that? Because the way that he just handled a rhythm of his life, he was able to rest. And let me tell you something. Like, you know that you've got a good rhythm of rest in your life by how you handle the storms that come your way. Like, you'll know when a storm approaches, when the storms of life come, if you're frantic and frazzled and thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Then I don't know if you've got that right rhythm. Jesus never handled it that way because he understood rest. I saw this shirt the other day that said, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. (laughs) I could get into that, right? And I think that's a good shirt, right? Because we ought to be like Jesus. And Jesus understood that there are rhythms, there are times, there are seasons where it's busy. And you got to make sure after that busy time that I slow down. It's one of the reasons why right after Christmas, we're allowing the Dream Teamers to just be off. We're going to give them off on that Sabbath Sunday. Just take off and just be with your family because we understand that it's important that we have rhythm and we have rest. See, God designed this whole thing right from the very beginning. He said, here's the design of it. I want six days should you labor and one day do nothing, right? And, And so in other words, it's work, 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 rest, some people do the opposite. They do rest, 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 work, right? That's not good either. See, I think sometimes we do one or the other. We either rest and we don't work or we work and we don't rest. If you work and you don't rest, the Bible calls you disobedient. Now, if you rest and don't work, he calls you lazy. But I, I think I'd rather be called lazy than disobedient from God. See, God says there's a rhythm to this thing. I want you to find the rest, and the rest is important. Rest should come before the work and after the work. That's what God wants you to do. I'll never forget one time in my life, um, 
My family and I, we try to, at least once a year, we try because it's a rhythm that we've built into our life to get off to the beach. Around the summertime, like we'll, we'll jump down to the beach and just spend a week at the beach and we relax. And I'll never forget, there was a season in my life and I know that I had just gotten out of balance. I had worked in too much and I, I hadn't rested right. And so I, found, I knew I was, I was at that point because I was just depleted. And like anybody that came to me, I was just short with, you know, you know what I mean? Like when you get to that place, like everything sets you off. And my wife said, okay, honey, it's time to get to the beach. <laughs> and so we loaded up and we went to the beach and we, we drove. And, and it was supposed to be like relaxing, but honestly, it was a long trip. We, we spent hours to get to the beach. And then we finally get to the beach. And you dads know what I'm talking about. Like, like the whole family wants to go to the beach, but then you got to load up the canopy and, and you got to look at the bag chairs and you got the towels and, and the sunscreen and all stuff. And your kids are like, I'll take this flip-flop dad and he's like oh great and he's like I got the sunscreen and like you got everything else and so they all ran to the beach and it's hot and I'm trying to go down there and it's laborious we had to park a million miles away and I'm running down walking to the beach and my flip-flops are coming undone so you know like you're doing that thing with your toes to try and keep them on while you're in and I'm so like it's miserable and I'm sweating and it's hot and, and I finally get down to the beach and I'm I'm like okay finally and I just I released all that stuff and it felt so good I was like oh I just had this big sigh that came over me. And I was like, okay, I'm finally here. I can relax now. And I started, I turned to my wife. I was about to tell her something. And right when I did, something hit me. It like hit me on the head and like on my arm and my, my chest. And it like, right as it hit me, it went like, caca. It, yeah, it was like one of those little seagulls had just like, Merry Christmas. Like, you're welcome. You know? And like, if I had had a gun, like, we'd be eating some seagull. You know what I mean? Like, because like, I, that was it. Like, I, it was like, you know, you know when you got depleted, when it just takes one little thing, like, to send you off over the edge. Like, and I was there, man. I was like into the stratosphere at that point. And I was so frustrated when that happened. Like, I looked over at my wife, and I was like, I was like, gonna, I was just like, it was it. And I was like, rah! And as soon as I went like that, I looked over at my wife, and you know what she was doing? She was doubled over laughing. Like, she couldn't even speak because she was laughing so hard at me. And I thought, well, this is what you've given me, God. There's the partner that I got in this life. <laughs> like, this is it. But, but, you know, those of you who know Deborah, like, her laugh is kind of contagious. So, like, as I looked over and she's laughing, but she can't even control herself. Like, I started laughing, too. And, like, in that moment, I, I had a decision to make. I thought, you know, like, I, I, can, I can allow this one thing to just get me to the place where I'm like, that's it, it's done, I'm over, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, and I'm just furious and angry. Or I could just, you know what, I could say, hey, I'm going to dive in the ocean, I'm going to rinse this stuff off of me, and, and I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm around my family, and my fr I'm in a beautiful place, come on, I'm at the beach and I have to just, you have to make a decision to decide, like in those moments, because can I just tell you something? The seagull moments are going to come in your life. The seagull is going to fly. The seagull is going to come, maybe in your marriage. And by the way, don't like later, like get into a good fight and say, oh, Pastor Tom said you're being a seagull and you're doing that. I didn't give you permission to do that, okay? But, but sometimes it can happen. It can happen in your marriage. It can happen at your finances. You can have these seagulls just show up right here at Christmas, you could be walking along, and then all of a sudden the seagull shows up. And it can even happen in your faith. Like, I'm walking along, and it's me and Jesus, and everything's going good. And then something happens, and you're like, man, where were you on that one, God? Like, what happened? I thought we were, everything was going good. Because seagull moments happen in your life, and you can't stop that. But I can tell you this, that Jesus wants you to find those moments, and even in the middle of that, find joy in it. He says, I want you to find joy in the middle. See, uh, I, instead of that, uh, uh, of just getting frustrated and burned out, I just, you know what I said? I said, you know what? That was not cool. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a fan of what happened with the seagull that, after it deposited in my life. 
But I decided I'm going to find joy in that. And, 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 and life is amazing. Like, so what he wants you to do is you want to find those bad circumstances and figure out a way to find joy in the middle of it. That's what Jesus teaches you. He wants you to, to find out a way to do that. And you know how to do it? The easiest way that I know how to do it is one little word, gratitude. It's just finding something in the middle of those moments, those difficult and challenging and stressful and straining moments to say I'm grateful for. God, thank you that I got a family. Thank you, Lord God, I got this church. Thank you, God, I got an opportunity to be here with incredible people. I just thank you, Lord, that even though it's difficult, I can find joy in the middle of it. I like how 1 Thessalonians puts it. It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. No, be thankful in all circumstances. Yeah, but you don't know the, the news I just got. No, be thankful in all circumstances. No, you don't know, understand how challenging it is right now, so I should No, be thankful in all circumstances. See, no matter what it is, no matter what you've, you're going through, you've got to find the joy in that moment. Otherwise, the little things become great big things. And, and the further that you get, allow busyness to take over, and the more that you the, allow a distance between rest, work and rest, and rest, rest further and further and further apart, the more that you'll drift, and the shorter you'll feel. And before you know it, you'll have drifted so far away, you can't see what God's call is for your life. All you can see is how challenging and difficult you got it, because God wants you to find joy. He wants you to take rest in those moments. I love how John says it in, first, in, in John 1.16. He says, out of the fullness of We've all received grace in place of the grace already given. What does he mean? He means, in other words, out of God's incredible abundant life and his abundant love for you, he's given you grace. And as, as he gives you grace and that grace recedes, he'll give you another grace. He gives you grace on top of grace. He just keeps giving it to you. You know, after that seagull deposited in my life, I went there and I, I sat down after I washed it off at the beach. And I just sat there and watched my kids play, and I watched as the waves crashed. And they would crash, and they would pull back, and then it would crash. And just in that moment, I thought, you know, the ocean never takes a break. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can't go over to the ocean and say, it's a little choppy today, a little bit much. Let's turn the ocean down. Well, I mean, like, the ocean's going to ocean, you know? Waves are going to wave. And can I just tell you, that's how life is. Like, like you're going to have moments like that where it's painful and difficult, and sometimes it's choppy, and it feels like it's one after another, and it's just wave after wave, and it's difficult, and challenging, and struggle, and adversity, and, 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 and all of this happening, boom, 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 like that. But can I tell you, according to what John says, it's actually, right alongside that is God's grace. It's that he allows you to go through this because he gives you grace for that moment. And it'll recede. And he'll put a more grace on your life. And it'll recede. And he'll keep giving you this grace after grace after grace because God's got a rhythm to this. And if you miss that, if you miss out of that, if you start trying to buck that or fight that, then you're going to be really confused. And you're going to be, you're going to find yourself in, in, in pain and difficulty because that's the rhythm. But if you figure out God's rhythm to this thing and you learn that that in the middle of difficult thing, God has given me grace, then you know what you'll find? Number three, last thing. You'll find that you get to live freely and lightly. That's what Jesus wants. For you to live freely and lightly. So you gotta come to Jesus. You gotta find his rhythm, and then you get to live freely and lightly. Well, how do you do that? Well, here it is. And this is so pivotal to this. Choices lead, feelings follow. That's what you need. You have to determine that I'm going to make the choice to have joy. I'm going to have the choice to be grateful. I'm going to, I'm going to choose not to focus in on the negative. I'm going to choose to find something to give God praise over. 
I'm going to find some reason to do this because I'm not going to allow myself to be dictated by my emotions or by the distractions that are happening around me. See, Paul understood the secret to it. Look, he gives us the secret to living freely and lightly. In Philippians chapter 4, he says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I, he said, I know what, it's, what it is to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know what he's saying? There's going to be some seagull moments. You're going to have some difficult times. You're going to have some challenges that hit you in this life. But Paul says, I figured out a way to get through it. Here's the secret. He says, you want to know the secret? I'll give it to you. Verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's the secret. I can do all things. Say that with me. Say, I can do all things. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. God gives me strength. You know, I, I like when, when athletes and stuff put that underneath their eyes or, or on their shoes or something. Or businesses say like, you know, they use that as a banner. Like, I can do all things. I, I like that. It's a declarative moment, right? It's like a declarative prayer. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I actually think that misses a little bit of, of the heart of that scripture. Because when Paul said that, he was in prison. Like Paul was in the middle of a difficult moment in his life. It was challenging. It was not good. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ultimately, Paul dies for the gospel. They kill him for it. But right up to his death, up until that point, he was saying, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, I can handle it, and you can too. You can get through it. You can get through the difficult and challenging and, and hard moments. You say, Tom, why aren't you teaching this? Uh, here's why. Because this week, for many of you, it might be an emotional roller coaster. Like you might get around family, and you, you're looking forward to seeing them, and then you're at that family dinner, and somebody says something that makes you want to choke the stuffing out of their mouth. You know what I mean? Like they just say something that's like, like you could be single, and they look at you and like, when are you going to get married? And they're old, like, and they say that, like, when are you going to get married? They're like, just here's a good tip. Just say, well, when are you going to have a funeral? Like, like they, when it's challenging moment, I'm, okay, don't use that. That's probably not, like, like maybe out of depletion, you might say something like that, right? But God says, this is what he wants you to do. You're going to have difficult moments this Christmas. Okay, it's going to be challenging. You're going to, you're going to put a lot of thought and effort and energy into a gift for somebody. And they're going to, they're going to open it and they're going to make a comment. Or they're going to look at it in such a way that you're going to want to take it back and rip it up and hand them back that, you know. It's going to be challenging. There might be a family member. Might be somebody that you know, a, a, a co-worker that's going to stress you out and you're going to get to a place where, where maybe it's in this season... It's un, unmet expectations, or, or, or maybe it's just the highs and lows and the hecticness of Christmas. And can I just remind you that there is no highs and lows to the joy of Jesus. Like, he's just stable. He's just, he's just constant. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do it. I like to say that people are a lot like jelly donuts. You know what I mean? Some of us resemble more, you know. It's okay, we got a fast coming up. I'm going to fix it. But, but listen, people are a lot like jelly donuts. Because you know what? Whatever a jelly donut has got inside of it, when you squeeze it, it's going to pop out. You know what I mean? Like, and, and people are just like that. You know, if you allow yourself to get full up on busyness and hurry and you're depleted and empty and dry and that family member says something to you and you get squeezed because when you get squeezed, it's going to pop out of you and, and you, you, that family member squeezes you and you're feeling low and you're feeling depleted and you're feeling empty and dry and they squeeze you, you know what's going to pop out? 
I guarantee you it's not going to be the joy of the Lord. <laughs> it's probably going to be something you wish you didn't say. Wish you could take back. You're going to say something or, 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 God forbid, do something that you wish you hadn't done or you wish you hadn't said. And the truth of the matter is, every whatever it is that you're filled up on is going to squeeze out. I want to stay so full up on Jesus that when people bump into me, Jesus sloshes out. If I've got bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and I'm filled up with that, when somebody squeezes me or they bump into me, guess what pops out and falls all over them? But if I've got the joy of the Lord, if I've got the the, the peace of God inside of my life and somebody bumps up against me, guess what pumps up and sploshes all over them? The joy of the Lord. That's what we want to do. you got to go to the source. You've got to get to the place. See, the, it's so important in this season that you, you, you get the gifts bought and the, the final projects finished and you get the, 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 the cooking done and you get the traveling done and it's important that you do all of those things so you can take off and, and be with the family. But what's more important than that is making sure that you're filled up with Jesus. Is making sure that before you enter into any of those conversations and difficult moments that you spend time filling yourself up from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head with the Lord. Because if you've got that, every time anybody bumps into you, just Jesus is going to spill all over them. You know, the Lord said, I have come so that your joy may be complete. In other words, without Him, without His joy, you're incomplete. You don't have it. Like your life, your future, your hope, it's incomplete without Jesus. He is the one and only true source. And so many times we run to the wrong sources trying to get filled up on that, thinking it can bring us something that only he can. I'll never forget this. One time I was in the lobby and we had the, the, this new family came and it was a mom and a dad and a little kid, a little guy. And, and, uh, and, and the mom just wanted to talk. We just wanted to have a conversation. She wanted to find out more about the church and she wanted to talk to me. But, um, but the little guy wasn't having it. Like he was having a, like a full out flake out fit. You know, like he was screaming and crying. And the mom looked at him and said, I'm about to put you in time out. And, and like, I didn't have time out as a kid. Like, we had time to knock you out. That's what we had. Like, this is a totally different thing. But, but like, but she, the kid needed it. Like, he was just flaking out. Like, he's really going nuts. And the mom said, I'm going to put you in a timeout. And that made him real mad. Because, like, then he started running. He was throwing up, and he ran. And when he ran, he tripped over himself. And he fell and splayed out. That made him real mad. When he got up, he was disoriented. And he ran back to his mother, what he thought was his mother. But he actually ran back to me. And then he wrapped himself around my legs. And he was crying like that. And it wasn't until he looked up and realized, I don't look anything like mom. <laughs> like she was four foot something, you know what I mean? Like, and wearing skinny jeans. Like we are not the same, you know? And I've got a beard. You know, <laughs> he looked up at me and then in that moment realized and then ran off, tore off. And I thought, you know, how many times do we do that exact same thing? We allow panic or, or hurry, or busyness, or all the stuff that we got to get done. We, we, we allow all of this stuff to get us wound up, and then we run to the source that doesn't look anything like Jesus. And it's not until we look up and realize, this thing can't really bring me fulfillment. This can't bring me joy. This can't give me hope. And in this season, in the Christmas season, that's exactly what God wants to be for you. There's only one source. God with us, Emmanuel. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That he's the one true source of joy, of hope, of mercy, of grace. That everything you'll ever need, he's the one true source. But the truth is, you're going to have to run to him. You're going to have to ask me. You're going to have to ask ask God, fill me up again. Will will you just fill me from the bottom of me to the top of me? Because I'm running dry and I need some time with you. That's what we need right now. And I'm telling you, if you're tired, 
if you're worn out, if you're fed up with religion, God's here today and he wants to do that for you.